0: Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Sequel Pitch, the movie podcast where three friends pitch their movie sequel ideas to the judge. I'm your host, but not your judge this week, Ross Armstrong. Matt has other theatrical commitments and won't be joining us today. Hmm, sad. But joining me today is a man as chilled as monkey brains. It's Andy Henry. (laughs) Hi. So yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hi. How do, how how do, do I you respond what do to I that? say to that? Hi. <laughs> and with him is a man that has so much knowledge. He belongs in a museum. It's Drew Toynbee. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> and introducing this week a very very special guest, the true golden idol of this episode. It's Jordan King. Whey! Whey! Now, Jordan is a film journalist and a friend of the show, but rather than me introduce him as guest host and judge this week, Jordan is going to tell us more about yourself. Like a job interview, Jordan. There you go. yeah uh, <laughs> give, give the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, I am a film journalist. Uh, I've written for Empire Magazine recently, which was pretty cool. Uh, I write here, there, and everywhere. Uh, I'm... 23 i feel like i'm doing like a dating profile (laughs) um, i'm 23 years old i like i like long walks and short walks nights in and nights out Uh, yeah i i'm i'm a film film critic film lover and yeah that's that's me basically
0: here's a question for you what is your favorite film of all time mean question (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's
1: that's yeah throw me in at the deep end thank you
0: okay all right let's let i'll narrow it down what's your favorite childhood film
1: uh easy easy the iron giant every single Ooh. time oh, nice good choice yeah, yeah. that is it's a good, a good choice. choice i think that's still probably my favorite film when push comes to shove which nice nice i do love it that's vin diesel isn't it it is vin diesel yeah
0: He's voiced two characters now, like, animation-wise, hasn't he? Or
2: probably more than that, I don't know. I don't he know. He must you've... have done more than just... He, like, he's got such a distinctive voice. Such a range of <Yeah>. one-word characters. <laughs> Firmly.
0: Firmly. <laughs> that's all he says. I mean, that, that's the most important thing, is what your favourite film is. And, uh, and we'll get to know you a little bit more in the episode, which is cool. Um, so, how is this week going to work? Alright, so firstly, Jordan will bring us his unofficial, official 60-second-ish synopsis. We'll chat about the movie then, and then we'll talk about its good points, bad points, and all the in-between, and uh, we'll review it. And then the guest judge officially takes over. Uh, The reins are yours, Jordan. Uh, Drew, Andy, and myself are going to all pitch our best sequels to you. Who will pick them apart and ultimately decide this week's winning pitch? So technically, I could win two weeks in a row, which would be really good. That would so be a first. Yeah. yeah Two-week winner. Um, the winner will then host the week after, just like normal. <laughs> so, without further ado, Jordan, what movie are we going to be pitching sequels to this week?
1: Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Very
0: nice. So... Jordan, are you ready to do your 60 seconds-ish kind of synopsis of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull?
1: Ready is A word for what I am. (laughs) We shall see.
0: (laughs) All right, here we go. Your time starts now.
1: Dr. Henry Walton Jones Jr., better known as Indiana Jones or Indy to his pals, is a professor at Marshall College in Connecticut, USA. When he's not teaching his students archaeology, he can often be found archaeologing around the world, (laughs) trading tweed and specs for fedora and whip. Having beaten the Nazis in 1936 to the Ark of the Covenant, stopping the Fuhrer's plot, well, one of his plots for world domination... Retrieved a sacred stone stolen from a small village by a religious cult hell-bent on establishing their goddess as the one true power a year earlier, and then stopping the Nazis yet again in 1938 by snagging the Holy Grail from their grasp with the help of his assuredly not Scottish father, Indy returns to action in <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I probably yeah. should have done that. <laughs> it's 1957. Yeah, We're in Nevada. We're outside Area 51. Indian George Mac McHale, Ray Winston, have been kidnapped by Soviet agents working under the villainous Irina Spalco. Under duress, Jones is forced to lead Spalko and co. through Area 51's hangar to locate a mummified corpse from the Roswell UFO incident. Corpse located Mac reveals he's a rat, a double agent for the KGB. Fighting his way out of the hangar, Indy ends up in a model town right before an atom bomb test, which he manages to survive by hiding in a lead-lined fridge. Genius. Having been interrogated by the FBI, Indy returns to Marshall College, where he is swiftly put on an indefinite leave of absence for the KGB bust-up. Stopped in his tracks by greaser Mutt Williams' Charles Lebeuf, Indy learns that his old colleague Harold Oxley has disappeared after s- discovering a crystal skull in Peru. Mutt and Indy shoot the shit in a diner, talking all things Akator, Crystal Skulls and the Uga tribe. After getting Indy to decode a letter from Oxley, it becomes apparent that the Soviet agents have been listening in, and Mutt and Indy find themselves in a chase away from the Sovs. We next see Mutt and Indy in Peru, following a trail of clues that lead them to the Oxley's Crystal Skull. The duo get captured and find themselves in camp, where Oxley and Indy's old flame Marion are being held. Here, Indy learns two things. The Crystal Skull is believed to come from an extraterrestrial life form, holding immense cosmic power, and that Mutt is his son. Marion is Mutt's mother. The four prisoners escape the Soviet camp and, after a lengthy vehicle chase involving sword fights and siapu ants, Indy and Co arrive at the Temple of Akator, a a Maya-style pyramid in the Amazon rainforest. Also arriving at Akator is Mack, who claims his double-cross in Nevada was actually a treble-cross, and that he's actually a CIA double-agent. He is, of course, a great whopping liar, and is leading Salco to the temple. Indy's group make their way through the temple, ending up in a tomb where 13 crystal skeletons, one missing a skull, sit on thrones. When the Soviets and Spalko show up and expose Mack's continued duplicity, power-hungry Spalko places the 13th crystal skull on the remaining headless skeleton. The skeleton talks to the group via Oxley and reveals he has a great gift for the group. Spalco wants the gift, and following a portal opening and a very literal information overload, Spalco promptly learns that not all gifts are good things, bursting into flames and disintegrating as the knowledge of the universe delivers her comeuppance. While the Soviets and Matt get sucked into the ether by the portal, Indy, Mutt, Oxley and Marion escape to live another day. By credit's role, Indy has made, been made an associate dean at Marshall College, told Mutt to chef off if he thinks he's nabbing the fedora, and married Marion, leaving all our main characters and the audience in the theatres really, really happy with no complaints whatsoever after a job well done. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was yeah. about a minute, right? Yeah, that was, that was good. That was good. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, it's now time to talk about the movie. Jordan, do you want to lead this discussion?
1: Well, living by the sword and very much dying by the sword, (laughs) I really, really like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I am sure I have been reliably informed is the universal opinion on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, I think it's a a great throwback to, like, 50s B-movies and sci-fi. It's packed with some great set pieces I actually think that Shia LaBeouf as mutt is pretty good, even though maybe we're not supposed to talk about Shia LaBeouf anymore. Who yeah. knows? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, dodgy, iffy territory. I mean, he's but in the movie. I... We can't, we can't, mm-hmm. we can't,
2: we can't pretend like he's not in the film. <laughs> we
1: we can't. I mean, I think a lot Some of people, people have want tried to, to yeah. try yeah. to imagine he wasn't in it, <laughs> <laughs> but he definitely was. But um, yeah, I mean, I think a big part of my love for the film is that obviously, I. I wasn't alive for the first three Indiana Joneses at the cinema. I was born in 1998, so I was kind Jesus. of prime <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I kind of came to it at the right time. I was like ten years old, loved watching the DVDs at my uncle's house. and so it was like, go to the cinema. The big John Williams score strikes up. and it was just a, it was just a cool adventure and there were some really like grim gruesome bits with like the killer ants and stuff. And I was just there like, I came out of it and I remember thinking, that was just awesome. And it was like, oh, this is what Indiana Jones was when my parents were kids. So, yeah, I mean, I I like it, which is the popular opinion that no one's going to disagree with.
0: I am going to disagree <laughs> with you. I am stunned. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> stunned and amazed.
0: Even now, like, all right, it, it, it exists. It exists. It's out there. It is a film I just think that they... I agree with you in terms of it's a good um, homage to B-movies. I I see what they were doing, and I see that that is the natural progression to do um, something about aliens, because that was at the height of when Indy was at that age and that year. But I just feel that it just lacked the love that the, the original three had. Like, there was so much green screen and so much like CGI that it just took me out and and the thing that I love about the movies the original three like is that they take you on these exotic locations and yeah they did have some live set I'm not saying that they like in four they just constantly use CGI but you went to different places you went to Egypt you went to all these different places and it was fantastical whereas I feel the fourth one it just feels very stagnant in terms of it just feels like it's in a studio. And that's why, for me, I couldn't get on board with it as much. Mm. I really enjoyed the beginning. The beginning bit was cool, where he's, like, whipping stuff um, and,
2: and swinging through. For- yeah. yeah. yeah, whipping, whipping stuff. stuff. And- I love the swing for the truck, and, and he misses it. it and comes short, and comes up short. And it's like, damn, I thought it was closer. I think yeah.
1: the um, that thing with the, with the swing with the rope, I think one of my few big criticisms of the film in general is that sometimes I've found that it feels a little bit like they pushed Indiana Jones too close to being a superhero um, yeah, I yeah. think that one of the one of the things that made him so cool in the first place was that he seemed like it's a guy being a dude doing cool things mm. And it's like, is he gonna get out of this next scrape or not? Mm, yeah, yeah, the yeah.
0: And and like, fundamentally every... it's him making things up. It's him it's him going, yeah. Oh, I'm making this up as I go. Like it's it's that thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah, you're right. It feels like he's kind of like a superhero.
3: Um the John McClain uh I guess the same problem he had. Yeah. Which was my biggest problem Eventually. with the film. There was two big, two biggest problems for me. One was the CGI because the CGI. I don't know how or why, but it was just terrible. All of it really <laughs> took me out. And then same as when I watched Die Hard Four, just like you know, the just old indie just kind of depresses me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's not much the film can do about that because it's like two hours. But every time I saw him, I was just a bit like. Oh.
0: I agree. I agree with Andy in that sense. I I feel that they didn't need to constantly reference his age, and in that point, I'm not sure how old Harrison Ford it was. I think he was like sixty-five, Jesus. maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, about sixty something or other. And like, he he's not immobile. He can't do like he's like, he can still do stuff. Like even in the new one that they're going to make, he can still do stuff. He's only, he's 71. He's not like bed bound and he's not. And I, I feel that they lean too much into that. Like, um, making him make quips about him being old and stuff. And I was like,
1: there is, there is an element of that, but I I
0: just don't know. I just didn't think it,
1: it needed that. I think the interesting thing for me on that is that like, steven spielberg said in i think i think it was on the dvd extras or something but um steven spielberg said that in when harrison ford came back for kingdom of the crystal skull he said that he was in the same shape if not better than he was in 1989 like mm. they didn't even have <laughs> yeah. to resize him for his outfits he, 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 wore, <laughs> wow. he wore his old he wore his old outfit because That's it fit mad. him the same it was the same build. Mm. yeah and um i think you've got a fair point there that the guy wasn't like he's not a Jerry action hero. Like he's still, yeah. he's still, he still yeah. got it. He, he, uh, to quote Hans Herley, he's got it where it counts. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird that they did lean a little bit on the. Oh, he's getting old now. It it
2: has the issue being set. Uh, a good chunk of time after the the previous film. It has it has the issue of he keeps on bringing up these other adventures that he did in the interim that sound really yeah. awesome. you want to yeah. watch those ones Yeah I want to <laughs> see that I would de- yeah. I desperately want to see it and when one is perhaps struggling a little with Tarzan Shia LaBeouf. Oh god, and 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 your brain's like, oh, oh. yes, yeah. Yeah, so Harrison Ford and Ray Winston doing World War Two secret missions sounds fucking yeah. rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but C'est la vie.
1: I was just gonna sort of ask what what you guys' opinions are of the like the big set piece events in this one because I've had so many different conversations about them, and you know things like nuke the fridge. Or mm. the the chase away from the diner, like for me, they're some of my favorite Indiana. Jones. I think nuke the fridge is. Uh, I just think it's genius. I think it's it's stupid. It's one of the most stupid things that could possibly <laughs> happen, but it's also in its own perversely beautiful way. Yeah.
0: I was I was talking to my friend about this, and I agree with you. I like the uh, that scene purely because it's him making it up mm. and just going uh, and then managing to survive like and being like, holy shit, that worked. Like um, it is bonkers. Don't get me wrong. He gets thrown like yeah, three miles so in a far. fridge. It's, um, it's
2: the impact that I, was, if, yeah. if he had, if it got in the fridge and it goes white and you see the shot and you see the, the miniature of the village being exploded and all of that. And then you see the mushroom cloud and he kind of pushes it open from under some debris and looks up at the mushroom cloud. I I wouldn't have any issue with it at all. It's just the fact that that fridge <laughs> impacts the ground so at like ninety hard. miles an hour, it rolls so rolls much. three times, and then he just immediately kind yeah. of gets out and. Oh, Which to be fair, sore. if it was like
3: Indy in the first film, you maybe be able to go like, oh okay. But that he's so old, everything would crackle in that fridge. Just, oh. <laughs> That's, see, that's
1: what they were lacking. They just needed to add a little bit in the sound mix of just so you <laughs> yeah, hear some bones crunching. Yeah, Or when he gets out of the fridge, he just cracks his back. <laughs> yeah. and just, they're like, oh,
3: that one. Just uh, take a the, pillow in would... there from the sofa and he was like, oh, thank God I had this.
2: Well, that's the other thing. Or pad it with stuff. If, if he had grabbed a load of mm. cushions and shoved it in there as he got in, yeah. then again, I would... I would have believed that
0: just, more at least. What do you guys think about... I, I'm a huge a movie soundtrack and Jordan you were talking about soundtracks uh off air and i am a massive fan of like the two the three soundtracks sorry um but i wasn't a massive fan of the fourth there wasn't for me as many memorable like themes in this movie i don't know what did you think
1: uh for me um it kind of had a similar effect to when I watched The Rise of Skywalker, actually, I think, and again, it's yeah. John Williams, mm. where The Rise of Skywalker, the film is a whole other topic for a whole other day, <laughs> but the score for that film, I really loved it as a celebration of Star Wars. It had so many motifs that recalled, you know, iconic moments in the franchise. You got yeah. moments with Leia's theme, you got all of these different characters as iconic themes. And I think with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the score, I think, is a strong one on the whole. I think it has a lot of the sort of iconic themes and it has a lot of those motifs that we know and love. Hmm. But I think that it suffers for not daring to do something different because we're in a different time era. You know, the first three Indiana Jones films are set within essentially a, a three, four-year period. So the score kind of stays quite compact and close-knit because Indy and all of those characters are existing in a specific time frame. I think that with the productions designed for this film, the 50s setting is so cool. And, like, the diner scene is amazing. Yeah. But I don't feel like John Williams did that much to invest in that 50s sort of doo-wop and rock and roll culture and i think that could have been something really cool to diversify the franchise a little bit even in amidst all of the callbacks yeah
2: i like mutt's kind of i i I don't know if john williams made it quite sort of piratey sort of swashbuckling just because he has the one sword fight scene but i kind of like mutt's like theme and motif that runs through some of it but yeah it 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 doesn't go particularly far It it is it certainly doesn't take any further steps than any of the previous soundtracks certainly
0: i also hate <laughs> <laughs> i also hate the fact that mutt knows a lot about archaeology
2: hmm. no we discussed this he was raised by another archaeologist
0: w- I, I get that but he's 19 years old people spend their lives learning archaeology and what you can't like it's not, 19, though? It's, it, you can't just like pick it up like oh yeah I've, I've read a, it's not like Sims you don't just like put it on a bar and you're just like oh I've re- I'm, I'm, I can do archaeology now I've achieved the archaeology achievement <laughs> um, and I don't like that and I also don't like the fact that like Indy is a bit different in this archaeology stuff. Like he looked at a, he looks at a painting on a wall and goes, "That's over two two thousand years old just by looking at it." Just by looking at it, or saying that the aliens are ar- archaeologists. How does he know that? He doesn't. He's not <laughs> experienced. Like the thing, like archaeology is is a is a is a whole not, is like going. I can do everything in archaeology now. I know everything about everything, and archaeology is a massive subject and. Back me up, archaeologists out there who are listening. <laughs> Don't know if you're going to be, but yeah, um, that's another thing that I really hate. And if you if you have if you have it in your pictures, I'm going to rip the
1: beep out of, of you. Of all the of all the hills to die on for reasons to hate Indiana Jones and the <laughs> yeah. Crystal Skull, yes, the- I've never heard someone with such like visceral passion just go to town on the the yeah. inaccuracy of mutt. being yeah, really but- good at archaeology.
0: And also the humor as well. The humor where he gets hit in the balls three times. They fall down a waterfall three Damn. times. Like, and also like I'm gonna just rant now. So yeah, Karen Karen Gillan's performance. Uh, she just d- doesn't just. Oh, you, you, I like.
2: I think she comes off comes off as. As very happy to yeah. be there. I think yes. it's infectious
0: yes, which is weird. Like it's yeah. weird that I she's probably, like just happy. Was more pleased to be there than the yeah. character. No, she's no, like, she's, I'm in a movie. She's, yeah. she's got. She's, she's got like, oh, the India. I remember you. are watched the other films. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been in a movie since <laughs> for twenty years. But
1: yeah, I'm happy
0: to be. I get that, but it does, it didn't work for me for the character. I genuinely um,
1: thought you said Karen Gillen and I was there going. I think he did say Karen. I did. Gillen. I think I did.
0: But what's her name? What's her name? <laughs>
1: Karen. I know.
0: Allen that's it Karen
1: <laughs> Karen Gillan I, I was just there going I've seen this film a lot of mm-hmm. times so if I miss something <laughs> what, why did when did Karen Gillan like, come hasn't into this she has been in a film for 20 years and yeah. she's stolen the elixir of life <laughs> yeah uh,
0: yeah sorry Karen Allen uh, Karen oh. Allen um, big shout yeah. out to
1: any Karen Allen fans out there that are now <laughs> they off.
0: Fu- <laughs> furiously <laughs> typing on Twitter. Subs- unsubscribe. Anyway, yeah, that's my rant over. You guys can talk about the rest of the film and how much you love it. Bye. See you later.
2: <laughs> I mean, so I'll I'll pick up as far as Jordan. You mentioned the other big set pieces. I'm I'm I think the the diner into the motorbike chase is fab. Um, I re- I really really like that motorbike chase and the just they're the getting into the library and Indy having the conversation with the student who has a question for professor jones when the bike slides up and moves the table out of the way or no slides the kid's chair back and yeah. the fact that he's really into it and he's and he's giving him proper advice i really enjoyed that moment the 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 cars in the jungle is not it doesn't look good and it's a, a good
3: idea. Yeah, well, yeah. That, how straight the some is of that jungle? Works. That's also got nothing in front of the cars.
2: Well, there are there is well, it's there's a big machine at the front that's chopping down the trees, making room for them. It's Although that's that <laughs> that I quick. mean, it is going at at pace. If that existed <laughs> in real life, then Fucking the Amazon hell. would already <laughs> be fucked. completely yeah. gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, there there are some issues with it spatially, and there are some problems like. Um, uh, shia labeouf constantly leaning on the machine gun mounted on the front of their car being like how are we going to deal with <laughs> with Cape blanchett over there how on earth yeah. are we going to fix this problem leaning on a machine gun <laughs> yeah. um and and having that sword fight when he's doing the splits between the two cars yeah and kind of like hey you know the baddie driving the other could car just could just away. swerve away, yeah. <laughs> and this <laughs> would all be finished. It's like
3: when they're uh, on the uh, about to be drove off the cliff. They're getting pushed by the uh, by Kate Blanchet, and they're trying to drive it along the same s- speed. But it's just like, well, couldn't you stop? Mm. And then you wouldn't the, get uh, pushed off. The, the every Peter situation is a guided shot.
1: In in all fairness, though, I feel like that comes back to that classic thing of like every bad guy monologue. It's like, why don't you just shoot him? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, 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 I mean but... it's a, it's an adventure, isn't it? So yeah, you've got to and it's and it toward... is
2: it is a family movie. Um, it, it is for it is perhaps for younger audiences than the other movies were, but ultimately,
1: I don't know. Siapu ants is nightmare fuel.
2: I mean, yeah, that is it's pretty grim. Like <laughs> when they go when they go into um yeah. into the the Russian soldiers' mouth, yeah. that's that is that's pretty grim. <laughs> I mean,
1: dude had it coming, but it was still pretty grim. Yeah there are a lot
2: of choices that i find troublesome but it is still fun i have issues with it and it depends on the day how much i like this film when i if i see it on telly and i stick it on but i think i enjoy it more often than i don't put that on the poster <laughs> okay i think we should give our scores yeah don't you? we probably should Okay, go on, Drew. Give us a score. Alright. I, I think I summed it up quite well with what I said earlier. It it does depend on the day for me, and I I am there are a lot of aspects of this film that I do struggle with. But there are a lot of aspects of this film that I think are genuinely fun and that I personally enjoy. And so it would feel wrong for me to give it anything lower than three padded-with-cushions nuclear-resistant fridges out of five. Nice. Okay. Let's go Jordan. What would you give it? I know you're our host, but
1: also, you know,
0: let's just. what would you give it out of five?
1: This This conversation has, like, reminded me of some of the things that are, you know, legitimate flaws in the film. But I think I have to stay true to my love for it when I was ten years old. And how much I still enjoyed it revisiting it, and I would say that it is, in the context of the other three being, you know, two five star films and one yeah pretty good one, uh I'd I'd say this is a four star film for me. It's a four out of five. Okay,
2: nice. I'm um, I'm putting your score in Matt's column, so hopefully Matt thinks
1: it's a four. <laughs> oh yeah, Matt will be fine with that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's very uh,
0: nice i don't think he, i don't even think he knew there was an indie four anyway so <laughs> I don't, uh, he hadn't seen it had he <laughs> no he would never oh, ever see really it we'll, again we'll have
3: we'll have to get his score next yeah week. yeah quick uh andy uh well i'm definitely going lower i'm definitely going uh two and a half swinging shia buffs um because <laughs> which half
0: is that but that song that you were right. showing is that that song you showed me drew that two and a half swinging shia
3: labeouf <laughs> surprise
2: shia yeah Act- actual cannibal yeah amazing. yeah
3: shia surprise um yeah it's you know, say so the other three are better i felt slightly bored at certain times again old indie did depress me uh the, the cgi every time there was cgi <laughs> i was just like oh down because of sake. your
2: fear of death
3: in my fear of death, my fear of just looking at old. <laughs>
0: okay, I'm going to give it... I, I like this movie, but I also hate this movie. <laughs> um, I think it's got a confusing plot. I don't like the CGI in it. I think some of the performances are not very good. Um, and I think it relies too heavily on just like nostalgia. So I'm going to give it two CGI gophers out of five. Wow, so what does that give us, Drew?
2: That brings Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull out at 2.88 out of five. Mm. So over half, but slightly below a recommendation. Oh dear.
3: So there we go. Don't, don't well, it.
2: Jordan,
0: it's now your turn to um, to take the reins again.
1: Okie dokie. So, the pitches are the same as always. All three of you will have your turn pitching your movie one, uninterrupted. One sec.
2: Could we possibly have you say, oh, yeah. it's time to get your sequels pitched?
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I can... give me. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get your sequels pitched. oh Oh, it was moody.
2: It was suspenseful. (laughs) I enjoyed it.
1: The pitches are the same as always. All three of you will have your turn pitching your movie uninterrupted. And after each pitch, I might have some questions for you. Then you'll have your chance to discuss with each other and do your best to convince me why I should be picking you as the winner. So let's get started with Andy.
3: So... We see a figure we recognise to be Indy running through a forest with something hidden in his bag. He's being chased by a group of people, and as Indy comes to an edge of the edge of a cliff, the group of people surround him, and a goon tries to take the bag. This is where we see Indy lift his head to reveal Chris Pratt as a young Indy. He, uh, he attacks the goon and shoots, whips, and fights his way through the others until he's left with the boss, uh, who doesn't have a gun or needs to reload. Indy tries to shoot out, shoot, but is out of bullets. The boss dies to the floor, grabs a gun and shoots Indy, who manages to pick up the bag and jump off the cliff, barely missing the bullets. As he's about to hit the water, old Indy, Harrison Ford, wakes up and we see it was all a dream. Indy gets up and does his old man routine as we see the title, Indiana Jones and the Fountain of Youth. Early 60s. We see Indy teaching a class. A student enters late and sits. A student enters late and sits down at the back of the room. At the end of class, Mutt enters and he and Indy talk about how they haven't spoken in a couple of years. Mutt says he's part of a group of new uh, a group. Mutt says he's part of a new group of archaeologists and explorers who do things in a new cool way, and we don't need uh, degrees like you old fossils. He says he's gone he's gotten back from a trip where they have found another clue to the Fountain of Youth. And Indy asks about the other clues that Mutt has. And he admits that he hasn't got much, but what he does have, he can't piece together. That's why he's come to see his old man, to get his help. After some back and forth, Indy, secretly intrigued, agrees. And says something along the lines of, oh, I'll come to see just to look, uh, see the look on your face when you realise you're wrong. Indy and Mutt travel to Africa where they look over the clues and start to bond a little. When this ne- next act, their relationship will be very much like Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, back and forth. Uh, Indy questions Mutt's motives for reaching the fountain, assuming it's money, but Mutt says he just wants his name to be remembered. They realise be, they're being eavesdropped on by a group of people, the bad guys, and move to a different location. On the way, Mutt meets a girl, Gloria, who tags along with him in Indy. Further along their travels, they run into the bad guys again and they get into a fight. And we have a chance to show how age is affecting Indy. Eventually, Mutt comes in and breaks up the fight. Indy leaves to clean himself up and when he comes back, he sees Mutt talking to the head bad guy. When Indy questions what Mutt was talking about, Mutt seems to be lying, but Indy can't tell. Indy spills water on a map or a clue revealing the real location of the fountain and they realise they have to get to the location by a certain time or the fountain will disappear for another thousand years. It's a race to the fountain. When the trio gets to the location, they see the bad guys. Mutt swears to Indy he didn't tell them, but Indy doesn't believe him. The bad guy laughs and hits Mutt and then walks over to Gloria, his granddaughter, who has been leaving him like breadcrumb clues uh, for her granddad to follow. Indy and Mutt get tied up and are forced to take the bad guys to the fountain. And we have typical Indy-style riddles to solve and a big magical reveal of the fountain. Indy apologises to Mutt and the bad guy tells uh, everyone his plan is to sell the water from the fountain to the rich so they can live forever. Gloria feels betrayed as she was led to believe her granddad only wanted to get to the fountain first to get the family name cemented in history. She then portrays her granddad, frees India and Mutt, who take down the bad guys. The grandfather doesn't die by anyone's hand. He has like an ex- accidental death, like um, he falls off a cliff. And uh, Gloria and India can try and get to him in time, but don't, and he dies that way. The trio end by talking about what to do with the fountain. They decide to destroy all the clues, saying it's too much of a temptation for man. Mutt says, why does not Indy just take some for himself? That way he can be young and crazy and have fun adventures again, referencing the start. And he and Mutt can basically uh, basically start their relationship again and grow up with each other. But Indy says no, and starts talking about not messing with Mother Nature and how getting old is natural. And you should only have one chance at life, and that's why you should have as many uh, adventures as possible to leave your mark. And his mark will be his son. We end with Indy teaching. The door opens again, and another student apologises being late, but this time we see it's Mutt. He sits at the front of the class and starts making notes as Indy smiles and continues teaching.
1: Nicely pitched. I do have some questions about Indiana Jones and the Fountain, Fountain of, of Youth. youth. Yep. I, I, uh, my first question, actually, uh, is who actually are the bad guys here? Well, We have reference mm. to bad guys, but who are they?
3: I wanted to leave it quite open because I didn't want to go for like the stereotypical blame the Russians or blame the Germans. We could have them if if we wanted to keep the whole uh, indie feel, but I wanted to just open up. This is a, this is leading on to a new franchise with either Mutt or uh, we can even have Chris Pratt taking it on. But um, yeah, if it was going to be Mutt, I want it to be new, non-stereotypical like uh, enemies. So we get them as Americans or something.
1: Okay, okay, cool. I mean, it it was more of a just like.
3: Who, who actually are, the are they? Are, I, I think they're just, yeah. uh, just a bunch of people who overheard and can... Um, oh, well, yeah, they're, uh, they're... I don't want to name again like archaeologists again, because they're so cliche. I think they're just uh, people that overheard and will be like, oh, shit, the family of youth. Fucking money.
1: The bad, the bad guys cooperated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, my second question
1: is, obviously in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Indy is reunited with Marion, mm-hmm. and by the end of that film, they have got married um so where is marion during indiana jones 5 is she in it at all does she have any involvement
3: she is mentioned when uh indian are reminiscing and talking but i try to put her in um but i don't like putting characters in if they've actually got no reason because otherwise she would have just been following around and literally would have had no point on the story
1: no no, no, that's Mm. absolutely fine uh third question then is do we actually find out why Mutt was talking to the head bad guy in the bar?
3: No, I mean like I want it, he could, when everything comes out and open he can just be kind of actually trying to calm things down and stuff. Um or we can have an optional scene where he is the bad guy says, you know, where's the fountain and either Mutt can lie or say, you know, I'm not I'm not saying. Um but no, I want it to be a big mystery basically until the reveal at the end.
1: All right, okay, okay. That that seems fair enough. Uh and then the last one that i've got here is is there any reason why Mutt and indy haven't spoken since the events of crystal skull because i know you've gone for the sort of henry indy father son vibe with the reconciliation in the first mm. act but i just wondered whether there was like would that be a place for you to explore why they've fallen out of touch with each other
3: or yeah i mean we could we could do that throughout the film i think in the first act they might be a bit hesitant um but yeah. yeah, it could definitely be explored. I wanted it to just show I wanted there to be uh like the the reason he hasn't spoken to like say India in a while is because he's gone off on this new cool adventurer like adrenaline junkies basically who don't have like degrees, yeah. they're more like yeah, just chasing adventure. Um Uh and obviously India doesn't really like you know, he, he says that's not the way to do it and stuff, so they yeah.
1: Just like the in the intergenerational clash. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Cool. That's that's all of my questions actually. Uh, I really enjoyed reading this, this script. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so next up in the in this in the sequel pitching hot seat is Drew. Oh, hello. Hello.
2: <laughs> right, mine. I I realised I actually sent mine over to you without a title, and it was just Indiana Jones and the. Yeah, no. Um... I thought
1: that was maybe some really bold, like avant garde. <laughs>
2: I, I promise I have done it on my doc that I've still been working on. It's Indiana Jones and the Power of the Ancients.
1: It sounds like, um, a, like a heavy metal album.
2: It does a bit. So, movie begins in 1969 at Woodstock. And you see like a guy in a a, a sharp suit who looks entirely out of place um, carrying some rare MacGuffin or artefact that doesn't matter to the film at all. Um, and Mutt is tailing him. Um and he's, he's kind of, he looks like he's he's on the case and he's actually sort of in a nice suit as well. Um, but as he's doing it, Indy and Marion both show up in like full hippie disguises because Indy didn't trust Mutt to get the job done. Um, they end up having to have a big fight and we watch the chase and the fight from the perspective of all the people at Woodstock who are stoned out of their minds on LSD and and mushrooms and weed and so it's like crazy and trippy and hopefully quite entertaining and funny um they eventually have the ceremony returning the object to the museum and it's a big celebration but it's cut short when mutt is drafted for vietnam Um, cut to 1972 it's three years later and indy finds out that mutt has gone missing and indy's approached by a government agent Uh, He finds out that Mutt was drafted for a special mission to try and save Vietnamese artifacts, given his background and the work that he'd done with his father and Indy's connection to the government. And they believe that the Soviets may have actually gone in and taken him from Vietnam for some reason or another. So Indy and Marion go looking for Mutt. Uh, We get a a Vietnamese American woman who's an expert on Vietnamese history, and she comes along as their guide, um, explains aspects of vietnamese culture and the fact that yes they're technically an atheist state but they have religious beliefs that are kind of in their culture more culturally Uh, oh there's got to be a better way of saying that but there we go and they have various aspects of um ancestors and gods of the land and explaining all that kind of stuff Going to the location of Mutt's last mission, they find an entrance to a temple that's been booby-trapped, but it's all been opened up, and they find an empty plinth, and it's kind of, it's a callback to Raiders, and it's kind of set up to look like the same plinth from the beginning of Raiders, but it's empty, um... They find some evidence that Mutt was here, kind of he's left some notes, or they find his notebook or something. Um, They look around the temple, they realise it's something to do with wind. And then Indy starts putting together, there's a legendary creation myth that appears in many ancient cultures around the world. Obviously all pointed to wind, stone, water and fire. Um, Cut to Mutt being pg-13 tortured to help the soviets um he's he's standing up to them he's giving them good bants but eventually he gives up that stone he thinks may be at stonehenge in england Um, indy looking at the clues that were left there at the time works out the same thing and they all arrive at heathrow at the same time you have a big chase through 1970s london you have like the soundtrack from the right time and you go to all the big landmarks and it's all very very indiana jones um and eventually they manage to get mutt back but they are still on the back foot and the stove the soviets beat them to stonehenge um after setting a trap for them um sort of captures them there the main villain gives a big speech about how soviet rules the only thing that's going to bring the world in line capitalism's gone mad they're the only they're the only thing that will bring the world to order and they'll use this power to make it happen um they escape the trap, obviously, but the Soviets have gone. They follow all the evidence, but they get taken into custody by the British government. They get questioned by the granddaughter of Marcus Brody. Um she breaks them out. She she works for MI5 or MI6. She helps break them out, and they all work out that the final two stones, fire and water, are both in Hawaii. Um, volcanoes in the middle of the largest ocean on the planet. They go there, but Indy's like the, in, he gets injured in the trap, and he's sort of here struggling to keep going. And eventually, Indy ha- realizes he has to let Mutt and the younger generation take over, and they have to go and defeat the Soviets. And just Indy gives them advice and has to let them go. And they have a big infiltration fight in the volcano. It's very high adventure. You have like Guards made of rock that are powered by the elemental stones that they have to fight. And then the Soviets get defeated because they don't respect the power that they're using, of course, because that's what happens to all indie villains. Um, Mutt and the others use the artifacts to create a place in the volcano where no one can get them. They use the stones to destroy the stones, if you like. Um The movie ends with Indy finally admitting that he's finished adventuring. He gives his hat to Mutt. You maybe have a joke about Marion asking him to keep the whip and Mutt goes, oh, mom, that's gross. And then Indy's ready to support his son in his ongoing adventures from a place of safety and
1: comfort. The end. Nice. Uh, Again, uh, a very good, solid script. And uh, so solid that I have got three questions for you okay so I'm nervous uh first question see i feel like i've i've been more intense as i've gone through my sets of questions <laughs> like i was ramping up the difficulty <laughs> level so uh drew, yes, drew gets moderate difficulty all right uh so uh, the first thing that i was really struck by was the way that you chose to characterize indy in this one as sort of he's getting a bit older maybe a bit long in the tooth like his time is very much coming to an end Um, as, as the hero so I said you know it's an interesting arguably realistic choice to end with Indy essentially going out with a bit of a splutter rather than in a blaze of glory so how would you handle the passing of the torch to Mutt without in some way lessening or tainting Indy's legacy as a heroic adventurer
2: I would I would hope that anything that John Williams is is gracious enough to gift this production would be able to underscore indy's moment of passing the torch as being heroic of making that decision of it could be something of he's slowing them down or he realizes that he would be putting them in danger it could be marion saying he's being selfish or but that would maybe put a bit of a downer on it. It it would it would just be about very carefully showing that it's not uh, showing that it's his choice, not that, that he's been forced. It's a selfless forced. act, rather yeah. than he's yeah. he's uh, and yeah, not not that this would be the text of the movie, but that he's allowing the focus to move on to someone else. Cause it, it's also I'm thinking of this in terms of franchising and Lucasfilm cost Disney an awful lot of money, and I'm sure they want to be able to make... They obviously wouldn't be able to call them Indiana Jones, but I'm sure someone who's got a better brain than me could come up with uh, the title for these films going forwards with Mutt in the lead role, whether or not it's Shia LaBeouf. I'd assume probably not Maybe. at this point. Um, but yeah, so that that's my answer for that. It, it might be quite difficult, but it's about... It's kind of, it's kind of, there's, I, I took quite a lot of inspiration from Endgame for this, to be frank, and it's kind of that moment where all of the new Avengers show up in the final battle and have their bit of moving the gauntlet towards the truck, just without Indy stepping up to have the final fight with Thanos. Got yeah. them mixed up a bit, but.
1: Yeah, you, we got the gist. The, the heart <laughs> was in the right place. Um, so my next question was that obviously the Soviets were the villains in Crystal Skull. So, what made you want to bring them back? And you mention a main villain. Did you have any ideas for their character at all? Would they be connected to Blanchett's baddie from Crystal Skull? How do you see that going down?
2: I, I, I saw them being very standalone. Um, and uh, for, it was just about looking at the the other movies are so of the time that they're set in, and so it's the Nazis in the in the mid to late 30s and then it's the soviets in the early cold war and it's still the soviets while we're in the slightly later cold war um and obviously it it fits with the timeline from when crystal skull came out in 2008 to now to get to 71 72 as far as having i i would definitely want a big charismatic presence i would i would definitely want to follow um I definitely want to f- there's part of me that would want to get someone just completely mad like David Tennant um just to be like a frothing hissing baddie um but I'd also I could see someone like Mads Mikkelsen and having it it would it would depend on it would depend on the director whether they wanted it to be campy and then my answer would be David Tennant or if they wanted the baddie to be scarier and then I'd say Mads Mikkelsen
1: cool uh my third question is kind of a little bit related to the first question surrounding in these legacy. So your your idea for Indiana Jones 5 seems to tonally go to some quite different places. So we get the like fun LSD times at the beginning Get some PG thirteen torture in the middle, and then we end on a sex joke after the franchise's hero has shuffled off his pedestal to let his son become the new main man. So, what is your overall vision for the style of the film as a whole? Did you have like, did you have the idea of James Mangold directing it in the back of your head when devising the pitch—the kind of like one last rodeo vibe? It seemed almost quite Logan-y in that respect.
2: I, I, I didn't actually, and I'll be frank. I'd kind of, I. I'd forgotten that Mangold is the one who's on doing actually doing indie Five. I was, I was perhaps trying to match the tone of Crystal Skull more than I realized that I was. Yeah, I can understand um, that. Just try trying to, perhaps trying to please too many people at once. But I, because I I like some of the silliness and I like the, the wink at the audience but I also want it to have some, some mild peril, or more yeah. than mild peril, if that makes sense.
1: No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Your your grilling is over for Thank the God. time being until <laughs> the other guys get their hands on you <laughs> and decide to <laughs> run you through the ringer. Yeah. Uh, so that means that last but not least to get their sequel pitched is ross
0: hello uh my title is called indiana jones and the spear of destiny the film opens and we see the words Xi'an an and the Shanxi province in 1965 the camera pans in on a forest and we as we get closer we see armed men breaking into an ancient tomb and we then see them coming out with some ancient armor that is made of jade being loaded into a truck. The camera pans out and we see a shadow watching from afar. We see a familiar sight of a fedora. It's Indiana Jones, now with a beard. We hear the voice say, we hear a voice say, holy smokes. We then go see Short Round, although he's actually an adult. Um, they discuss how uh, these people are grave robbers and that they're going to steal the burial army, the uh, the burial armor of Quinn Shai Han. Um, Short round cocks a gun indiana says put that away will you think of something the next part of the film is them trying to get stuff back uh, but something goes wrong and the trucks drive off cue a 10 minute car chase scene in which indiana jones and short round drive bikes after them and there is a part where they drive along the great wall of china in an action sequence eventually they get the stuff back and they give it to the chinese government to put in a museum Short Round asks what he's going to do next. Indiana Jones responds, retire. Marshall College have put me a little party for my retirement. Um, so then Indy heads back to the Marshall College, packs away his things, cue, an emotional, photo, uh, cue emotional photos and mementos of previous films, including a picture of Marcus. Party scene follows. Marion is there, uh, and two suited men ask Indy if they can talk in private. They ask Indy. Uh, if he knows about what the Spear of Destiny is, he informs them that an, as, and the audience of his knowledge that it's the spear that killed Christ whilst he was on the cross. Uh, and it's said to hold power to control the future, but he dismisses it as hocus pocus. They then tell uh, Indy that spies have found out that Russians have started looking into the spear and the last place it was seen was in Berlin and that Hitler kept it in his private collection. They urge Indy to help use uh, his archaeological knowledge to locate it before it falls into the wrong hands. Indy says he'll think about it. The next scene is Marion and Indy on a date night and he tells her about the offer. She's annoyed at him and doesn't want him to go. He tries to persuade her but she won't budge. They then go home and sleep. Marion wakes up and in uh, in the morning she sees that Indy is gone and leaving a note saying, Sorry, this is who I am. I love you. We then see the travel red line thing heading to Berlin. Next section of the movie is Indiana coming to Berlin as he knows someone who used to work at the Reichstag uh, and was also a professor at Berlin University. But he now uh, lives in East Berlin, so uh, Indy has to sneak in from West Berlin. Cue action scene in which he gets in via the sewers, almost getting caught, but he probably like punches a guy or something um he then meets up with the professor and they reminisce about old times and discuss the change that's happened uh indy learns that the spear was originally here but when the reichstag fell it was taken by some people known as the keepers of the future he then shows Indy something he found within the base of the spear that got dislodged during a, a bombing run of berlin it's a riddle type thing he works out that the spear is in alexandria then, all of a sudden, we see a Russian from a rooftop across the way. He's looking at a locket, and the picture inside is Kate Blanchett. He aims at Indy, but hits the professor. Oh. Cue a 15-minute action scene over the rooftops of Berlin, escaping the Russians. He gets away and gets a flight to Egypt. Cue Indy redline travel montage. Indy arrives in Alexandria, and guess who's waiting for him there? It's Salah. Um, they reunite and catch up. There's a monkey again as well. Uh, he tells Salah he's looking for the Spear of Destiny. Salah tries to dissuade Indy, saying it's a young man's game. They both work out. They both work on the riddles, um, and they work out that the spear is buried with Alexander the Great in his tomb. Indy is excited as it could be the biggest archaeological find uh, of the century. Anyway, Indy locates the tomb using his knowledge. Has to go through loads of traps. I'm thinking scorpions, Greek spears, etc. Uh, eventually, he gets to it, but Salah pulls a gun on him. What? Salah explains the tale of the spear, that it's u- it was used by Alexander the Great, that he and his father's and his father's fathers are members of the keepers of the future, and they took it back after the fall of Hitler, and that the spear had the power of prophecy, and anyone who has it can change the future to suit their design. Um, but... He cannot let Indy take it. Then the Russians find the tomb. We learn the Russian sniper uh, is Cate Blanchett's son and that he's here for revenge. He kills Salah. Um, Sad times. Then uh, he takes the spear. Indy managed to survive somehow. Then he stows away on a helicopter that's transporting the spear, maybe in disguise, I don't know. Bides his time, the helicopter lands in Istanbul to be loaded on a bullet train to St. Petersburg big 30 action uh, 30 minute action se- section in which indy uh, takes on all the russians on the train one carriage at a time he gets to the final carriage and the bad guy russian son man has the spear in his hand and he says uh with this spear the russia will crush its enemies the fight happens with russian uh, the russian son but he seems to know where indy is punching and is going uh and, and where he is going to punch so it's a hard fight eventually he is knocked out of the train and is killed somehow Indy ha- uh, thinks he's done but it, a helicopter turns up and starts blowing up the big train uh, and there's a big train derailment action sequence and the helicopter is destroyed as well Indy survives, goes back home There's a scene with top men asking for the spear saying that they want it for themselves to make America great. Indy feels betrayed and snaps the spear in half and says no one should have the power to change the future the way they suit. Cut to black. We then see Indy in Canada in the middle of nowhere in a log cabin, himself and Marion sitting in front of a fire. The camera pans through all the memories of the last four movies with a slow Indiana Jones theme playing. We then see uh, the last shot we see is the fedora on a hat stand. End.
1: Nicely done. Mm -hmm. I have got some questions. Go for it. About Indiana Jones and the Sphere of Destiny. Go for it. The first question is, uh, shout out to my fiancé, by the way, uh, long-time listener, Um, (laughs) and uh, big-time plot hole finder. Uh, She mentioned to me and I thought yeah fair point um who put the riddle in the spear and how did the person who put the riddle in the spear know where the spear would end up if the spear hadn't been taken when the riddle was put in the So spear? the
0: spear the spear oh, was made um so a load of people have had the spear and it's not really a riddle of like the location it's more an inscription of maybe the location of Alexandria, like here in Alexandria is where I lay to rest. And it's about Alexander the Great, because a load okay. of people have, have maybe I wasn't that clear in the thing, but yeah, I wanted some sort of thing, a clue to then send him to Alexandria. Okay, that makes um, sense. Yeah. Uh, on the
1: spear as well, Hmm. I can't help but wonder, would Indiana Jones, world-renowned archaeologist big fan of preserving history and you know archaeology really good uh, would he snap a spear that represents the archaeological find of the century
0: um yeah because he's fed up with America and they were gonna take it anyway so he re- he he would rather it be destroyed than I mean the Holy Grail was lost and under uh, in a in a in a chasm. Um and he's and he's had that happen to him before where America took the Arkana Covenant and put it in a warehouse and he said they these guys are bureaucratic fools. Yes, he would have probably preferred to put it back in in the in its rightful place, but it's too dangerous now because people have found the tomb of Alexander.
1: Sure. I mean to be fair, I think the answer of just he's fed up with America. I was there like not, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good explanation. Apologies to any uh, American listeners; they're not going to get me on again. I promise. Uh, so, next question is: How long do you imagine the film being? And I tried to word this in a way that didn't sound like I was insulting the like scope of the film, because there's like a thirty-minute action sequence on the train that's in what seems to be the third act, at which point we've been to China, America, Berlin, Egypt. And have arrived in Russia, so a lot of ground has been covered literally by that point in the film. So is this like going for like end game kind of?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I want this to be his last hurrah. This, and I want this film to be the thing that made made Indiana Jones so popular. I want those big action sequences. All right, they don't have to be thirty minutes or whatever it, uh, but I want them. That that is the reason. Like I remember. Like in Last Crusade, the action sequence with the tank, like uh, at the end, all, like, I want that sort of thing to be, and I want lots of that s- stuff. Yeah, do you know? So what it's I mean? like
1: having the epic, epic set pieces, like yeah. from the word go, and like building up on them each, each. Yeah, time maybe
0: I on. maybe I was overestimating the time. Maybe they could be cut down. You know, I'm I'm happy to go with that if you want to. So yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate your
1: willing. <laughs> I appreciate your willingness to compromise on your creative vision. I oh, know, thanks, um, thanks, mate. The third question that I've got, which um, as as many people that are in relationships that have ever pissed off their partners will likely know, uh, you don't tend to get forgiven immediately for <laughs> the things that you do, and I feel like uh, when India's you know buggered off and abandoned Marion do we get any of the like fallout from that or any further involvement from Marion in like sort of cuts back to their home or anything? Because obviously like at the end of the film and the epilogue bit, they're sort of, they're, they've had an almighty bust up, but like they're back to smoochy, smoochy sort of cozy, cozy. Yeah. Um. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I can see that there, there's not an in between, but I, I think, yeah, maybe there could be an extra scene, but, you know when she sees the when she sees the no maybe she's angry at first and then smiles because she fundamentally knows that's who Indy is she fundamentally knows that that is who his character is and that's his drive is is adventure um, yeah. and then I want the, the thing of the movie being that Indy's realising that um, it's time it's time like you know you can't You can't change the future, and what he wants is actually to spend his time with Marion. He did before, but like more so at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the sort of arc progression in Uncharted Four. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Like, and obviously Indiana Jones is a huge inspiration for that, so I can kind of I can get on board with that because like Nathan Drake in that abandons Elena again and lies, throwing lies to her, but she kind of has that thing of, like, this is the last time, but also, I understand this is who you are. Yeah. So, yeah, I can get on board with that. The last thing that I was going to ask you about was, your film has not one, but two past indie montages. So there's the one at the beginning where he's looking through the photos, and we see some, like, old-school indie montage clips. And then also at the very end, we've got, like, the sad, slow Indiana Jones (laughs) theme with some more montage clips. So how do you see both of those playing out in terms of like making them feel different enough to like justify both being in there?
0: Well, I I feel that the first one would be more stuff from his college. It doesn't like Maybe more focus on Marcus and and the stuff and like pictures of him or something, or maybe pictures of him and Salah and oh, um cool. um and then at the end it's more you know objects and things like. I see it panning like, you know, it pans past his whip and maybe like a tr- uh, a plane ticket or something and um and then it just focus I just think that the the st- it's a strong image to end on with just the fedora. I I it doesn't have like yeah, so the college one is more him just packing away stuff that is is memorable to him like the characters from um the college, IE Marcus yeah. and yeah. Salah.
1: That was one thing, actually, before we like move into the kind of you all get to fight against each other section is that I think you all came up with a really like, I don't know, fitting ending. I mean, even the like gross out mum joke ending to trees is like, it's still all three of those. I just kind of I got to the end of the script and I went, oh, that's. What a way to what a way to end Indiana Jones 5. So a big a big kudos for that before you start laying into each other.
2: <laughs> Thanks. Right. Are we good to are we good to try and win you round in that case?
1: Uh I mean, I feel like we're gonna have to. We're we're gonna we're gonna need you to, to fight your cases and convince me.
2: Alright, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna Jump in, and uh, I'll come in with my my jokey things first. And first off, Andy, Pirates of the Caribbean called. They want their plot point back. And Ross, the Constantine film called, and they want their MacGuffin back. But other than that, like uh, to be completely frank, I've got some issues with, you know, short round. Maybe not. Maybe a slightly problematic character, not to mention having John Reese davis come back <laughs> as Sala. Um, iffy. I'm, I'm kind of nitpicking here because, frankly, I, I think mine works because you've got Mutt and it's kind of a passing of the torch. It's a big globe-trotting adventure. It's, it's going all over the place. It's tied into the time when it's set. And I like my idea a lot, but there's not a great deal, frankly, that I could have a go at yours for. I'm, I, I feel like Andy's is maybe a little light on big memorable villain, and Ross's maybe feels a little overstuffed. But frankly, I'd watch them both.
3: Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> this is getting hard. I, I've got any any nitpicky really bits as well. Um, I think I start with mine. I think mine my indiana jones i think is age appropriate and what he does is age appropriate i think with ross you've got too much for what for what an old man can do when he beats up an entire carriage of a train uh and and drew if my math is right yours is like 16 years later and he gives up you know doesn't doesn't give up but like passes the torch a little bit too early i feel like he needed to he needed like the winning blow or the final thing and then to pass the torch which i think mine mine does mine uses the the idea of his age with the fountain of youth but he says no because old, getting old isn't a bad thing. You could learn from it. And as I say, we 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 got mutts, so we do have the option of going forward with you mutt, or we can have a Chris Pratt like mini series or trilogy. Um, and yeah, the trying to try to open up the villains more, not just have them so so closed off and Russian or German basically.
0: Uh, Jordan, you should pick mine because I am doing a last hurrah for Indiana Jones that's what people wanted when indiana jones 4 come out they wanted just indiana jones they didn't want to have him pass the torch also i think that drew's i I like it but i also hate the ending where he gives the hat to mutt it's just a hat it's to him to mutt it's just a hat he wouldn't and also he's more in in indiana jones 4 he's more interested in in cars and in bikes And I don't believe that in Andy's that he would then be able to find, with no clues, the Fountain of Youth. I put in action sequences, I focus on Indiana Jones, and I bring back some original characters, whether they be problematic or not. And I don't want to focus on passing the torch yet. I want this last film to be a last hurrah for this character and just focus on him. That's why you should pick mine. (sighs)
1: <sighs> okay. so nice easy easy job <laughs> for me then to yeah <laughs> to try and pass out but i i think like as i as i've said you, you all three of you sort of arrive at a point with your pitches where indiana jones ends up in a place where i'd leave a cinema and go do you know what i'm happy with i'm happy with how they've ended that no matter where things might get a little bit muddled along the way i think that Indiana Jones ends up where he's supposed to be all three times with all three different endings. Um, I think that for... just going back over some notes here. Um, I think for Andy's Indiana Jones and The Fountain of Youth, I think what I particularly gravitated towards when I was reading it, and also uh, as we've spoken about it a little bit more, is I love the way that you've chosen to centre on the father-son relationship and sort of mirror back to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I like the idea of getting to spend some time with Indian mutt and building on the relationship that we got to see little snatches of in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, So I think like on a character work level and uh, the arcs that they go on over the course of your film, I think that's like top, top tier, exactly what I would want to watch in an Indiana Jones film. I think there is something to be said for the quite generic um, MacGuffin in the the Fountain of Youth itself. Um, I think I can't help but think about the fact that it was in Pirates of the Caribbean not too long ago. And I imagine that if I was like the head of a studio commissioning and green lighting the film, I don't think it diverges enough away from what that film tried to do with the Fountain of Youth. I think the idea that the bad guys just want to sell the water from it to rich people is like down with capitalism but also a little bit there's better things to do with something that could make you live forever but like i say the the actual character work and the arc that you go on and the way that you homage uh the past of the series and also give us something that gives promise for the future i i really uh admire and respect that a lot Um, As for Drews, I think that definitely when you say that you try to lean into the silliness and um, some of the playfulness of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think that definitely comes through really well with um, your vision of the film. And um, I think that having the Soviets back, whilst it could be possibly seen as a little bit of a, a contrivance or a convenience to just have it's those familiar bad guys again you're quite right in saying that for indiana jones one and three because that's how people refer to them <laughs> and not as raiders of the last ark in the last crusade um you know they they both had the nazis and you know they have turned out to be the two best indiana jones films so uh you might be onto a winner with that but i also i think the more you've had chance to explain to me how you see Indiana Jones going out and this kind of winding down uh, to a point where he goes, okay, I've been the hero. Now I'm ready for a new generation to come along. I think it's going to be difficult if I was, uh, you know, on the set taking notes and going, is this going to play well to an audience? I think it it may play better to an older audience. Maybe in, if the lesson with like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi taught us something it might be quite divisive but i do think that the way that you've tried to realistically convey indiana jones bowing out is something interesting and i think even if it doesn't make it a box office smash i think that for the people that connect to it i think it would be a really uh enriching experience and something that gives the character some more gravitas and makes him the legend that we've all made him in our heads as we've grown up and grown older with him, um so yeah i really I really enjoyed enjoyed your script. I do think that um ending on the sex joke is we could talk about that possibly we could negotiate <laughs> on the ending on the sex joke, I mean,
2: yeah, as far as artistic integrity goes, <laughs> I am happy for that not to be in there. It just kind of
1: it seems like something she might say <laughs> it would feel in character for Marion, but there we go. <laughs> And then as for as for Ross's, I think when I first, um, you know, first listened to the pitch, I think the first thing that hit me was I went, wow, a lot of stuff happens here. We go globetrotting and then some, and there's set piece here, set piece there, set piece there. And I worried that that might become quite fatiguing for an audience. Maybe after that third or fourth big set piece, Even as they ramp up in intensity, maybe it would start to get a little bit tiresome. And if it was to be like a three hour epic, you do begin to wonder who that plays well to. Although with films like Endgame, we've learned that, you know, kids and adults alike are more than happy to sit for three hours if the stuff in front of them is just, you know, balls to the wall awesome action. So, you know, I I think that's fair enough, really. Um, but I think the thing that I've warmed to most with uh, the way that you've fought your case for, for your vision of Indiana Jones is that it does feel like, uh, you know, this could be the last time for Indiana Jones as we know him. Why don't we send him out with all the greatest hits and then some absolute bangers that are, that are new and fresh? So whilst it might be unrealistic to see Indiana Jones go through carriage after carriage of a train in Russia taking out bad guys, and, you know, apparently not being a 70-plus-year-old man. At the same time, you can't help but in your head as a fan and as someone that just is looking for that exhilarating experience go, that would be really cool. And I think that I'd come out of the film on that beautifully um, imagined shot of the fedora on the hat stand. I'd come out of the film going, oh, wow, that was like saying goodbye to an old friend. And I think that would be quite a poignant and impactful experience. But that all being said, and again, like I have to say, all of you had brilliant, brilliant ideas. I think there were things to be sort of pluses, minuses, all that kind of thing, but I wouldn't be sad to see any of those on the big screen. And I think I'd come out of it saying, not only did I have a great time, but I think it would wipe any sour taste from the mouths of, People that weren't so fussed on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think, for me, I when I first heard it, I just thought, oh man, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for a character-driven, relationship-based, broiling drama with action hijinks in between. I'm going to have to go with Andy. Yeah! And nice. And Indiana Jones and the Fountain of Youth. Because even if the MacGuffin is a bit of a a bit of a weak source MacGuffin, perhaps, it's that it's that Indian mutt against the world, you know, father son, tug of love, and then you end on on that realisation that, you know, the kids are alright. And I think that for <laughs> me, as as the kid that was growing up and was there, like ah, oh, I wish I could be someone like Indiana Jones. I can imagine that just really hitting it, hitting a chord with, like, you know, a father and their son sat in a cinema, and the dad going, ah, oh, that's Indy as I remember him, and the son going, ah, oh, mutt, he's my hero now. And I think that that's something that really resonated with me, so... Okay. All great pitches, but Andy, you are my chosen Thank you very
3: much. Wahey. hey. hey. Yeah, very hard. Very hard this week. It sucks. Each week, we kind of get better at pitching and writing and stuff. So each week, it's just like, it's just nitty little bits that we're picking apart. It's getting (laughs) harder. It's getting harder
1: to actually, like... (laughs) It is getting harder. But yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. No, you're very welcome. Thank you,
2: Jordan, for such eloquent feedback yeah so, it's yeah. never wow we've never I, had
3: that we're all
2: gonna feel like massively yeah. inadequate now next week <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't Andy's like gonna it because i don't like follow. it all right it's not gonna be the same
3: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so this week's winner is andy henry so andy next
3: week what film are we going to be pitching sequels for We are going to be pitching sequels for the comedy action, Ryan Reynolds, Sam L. Jackson, The Hitman's Bodyguard. A little bit of action, a little bit of comedy. It's going to be fun. Good. So,
0: ladies and gentlemen, our sequels have been pitched. We have our winner... If you would like any if you love us if you if you if you liked all of our pitches if you liked mine more than Drew's because <laughs> mine was definitely the winner uh, then please shout us out on Twitter give us a message on Instagram whatever any social medias we're not on all of them um, so please give us a shout out and we love all uh, we love all of our listeners uh some of our longtime listeners uh, Candice as well um, also Steph as well in pennsylvania so
2: big up to you guys jordan where can our listeners find you on social media if you would like to be found
1: so you can find me on mostly twitter a lot of the time at jordan mb king and through my twitter there is a link to my portfolio so you can find any of my reviews interviews that kind of thing through there as well nice So, thank you all for being here. It's goodbye from Drew.
0: Goodbye, everyone. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from our winner this week, Andy Henry. Have I got time to do my five-minute acceptance speech, or <laughs> We'll play some music over <laughs> it. <laughs> and it's goodbye from our special, special, special guest. Jordan Woo. King. Goodbye. Thank you, Jordan. Goodbye.
1: Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.